0: Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted.
1: Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. Well, friends, this is the 250th episode of something I thought I'd just give a try and was encouraged to do by a teacher in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. When I started the podcast, I was really looking to just support people and being reflective and sharing stories with you and and processes to allow others as well as you and me and everybody to find success, to remember our value in the lives of others, and most importantly, to just grow ourselves. What has happened is that I've grown tremendously on the journey. I learned to look at the world through multiple eyes and perspectives and build my empathy and and really fueled my own optimism as well as my curiosity which weirdly was my goal for you. I'm often asked about producing the podcast, and now that I've done it 250 times, I can't believe it. I'm so grateful for so many of you for listening, for giving me the energy to keep going. I'm asked about the processes that I use, or I'm asked about the listeners. So here are some cool facts about the podcast that you might not know. At least I didn't know until I started really looking at them, especially as a guy with a history and geography degree, I found it really fascinating. So just yesterday, the podcast was listened to by 300 people before lunch, at least lunch here in the United States, in the Central Standard Time Zone in Wisconsin, where I live. And they were from 16 different states, Canada, the United Kingdom, Nigeria, Algeria, India, and Ireland. Hello! <laughs> Last month, all 50 states and 31 different countries were represented in downloads. I mean, what the hey, Ray? How humbling this is for me. I can't believe it. And what's so fun for me is imagining myself with you in all the different places that you are, in all the different places people tell me they are. Out walking, running, folding laundry with you, driving, sitting at work. Those are just some of the places people tell me they listen to me when they're downloading the podcast. I can't tell you enough how much energy I get from knowing these episodes are being listened to and shared. There are two things that people who run into me always ask and they want to know. Do you really record the podcast in your closet? Yes, I really do because Megan's got 4,000 jean jackets in here and it absorbs the sound wonderfully. And the other question is, where do you find the time to do this? Well, the truth about the time is that As you know, I prep on Saturdays and record on Sunday, and I just love squeezing it into my weekend. But I will tell you what this has done for me. It has taught me that when you value something, you make time for it. And there is a great mind frame that I like sharing with people when they're trying to coach other cow-like or negative people. And that is, anytime you hear someone say, I don't have time for that, well, replace the word time with value. I always have the time, I just don't always value it, right? The third question that's asked is, where do you get the Buffalo framework from, Ted? Well, I certainly didn't invent it. I learned it when I was given a book by a friend years ago while I was struggling to pull the leadership energy I needed together in order to move myself forward. The book was called Take the Stairs, Seven Steps to Achieving True Success by Rory Vaden. And at the very beginning, he inserted the Buffalo story into his introduction. Now, I have to admit, I didn't read the rest of the book (laughs) because that framework changed my life and provided me the energy and purpose I was looking for. No more running away and avoiding, now a lifetime of charging and building a herd of buffaloes to run with me. In that first episode, I set the groundwork about being buffalo and today, every episode since, I have attempted to learn and grow alongside you as I continue to fuel my inner buffalo through life and reflection. The last question that I'm asked is, how long are you going to do the podcast? The answer, until I'm not having fun. Being born with too much energy and a mind that never rests, well, that allows me to really think about this and a lot of other things. And I've got a long list of future topics to produce on the podcast. So I'm guessing we've got a bunch more episodes to do. Let's look to the basics here of what this whole thing is about. We subscribe to Buffalo Leadership. We charge into the storms we are facing and we do that with perseverance, tenacity, and optimism. We also are constantly reflecting about life and how we get here and there and what we need to do in order to do what we need to be successful. And that is by being empathetic to the people in front of us. Remember, the most important person in the world is the one you're looking at, even when there is only a mirror. Now, Enough self-aggrandizing here. Let's get into growing our ability to be all of these things I've described over all these other episodes. And in this episode, I want to talk about something that we may often forget to do when our minds are filled with the noise that life creates for us. And that is the simple recognition of others. You see, recognition is like the sun for Superman or Superwoman. Life is too weirdly often a lonely journey. One where we fill our heads with questions about where we stand with others, wonder if people see our efforts, or sadly, if people even know we exist. People are always banging on the younger generations. Oh, they're so selfish. They're self-absorbed with their Instagram culture. They focus on themselves and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what else? Every generation wonders if they're recognized or noticed. This is on both ends of the spectrum, both young and the seasoned citizens of the world. Everyone shares the same fear that eventually, that eventually they'll be alone. It can be a paralyzing anxiety. Now, as someone who has dedicated my life and love to the service of children and others, my heart always breaks when I see a kid at a table by themselves, a child bouncing a ball in the playground with no one around them, or knowing that there are middle school and high school students at home laying in bed, staring into the blue screen of their phone, envious of the false realities being presented to them. And now, now I'm starting to see my older friends doing the same things. As leaders, we are people who have influence over others. So let's do something about this. We are the ones who can change other people's directions. Our actions can create the energy so that we give life and bounce to others who may be spiraling into a I don't matter mindset. Everybody matters. Remember, a leader is anyone who has influence over another person. And that influence can be big and small in your eyes, but will be gigantic in the life of others, and you'll never even know you did it. Recognition is easy, and the research around it is fascinating. Now, I personally believe from experience, and the research, that recognition produces three things in all of us. Energy, value, and safety. Now, before I explain that and get you moving in a different direction, of course, I have a story. Now, long-time listeners know that I love being outdoors. I mean, my happy place is any type of a trail, a city park, a state park, a national park, any place outside. I also love talking to random strangers, and I have a keen eye for the world around me and the little weird nuances that I find. I also do not camp in places with lots of trailers and full-size bus-like campers. I usually find places that are a little more remote, hard to get in and out of, and have sites that have a lot of distance between them. Now, those of you who camp, well, this will make a lot of sense to you. And I've noticed one thing about campgrounds that I don't always see in the cities. And that is that everyone waves in a campground. I mean, most everyone. Occasionally, you come across a couple of hipsters who saw an Instagram post and thought they'd give camping a try. But I'm also the guy who watches those two try to set up their tent, and I mosey on over and help them. Anyway, every campground has a unique weekend culture, and everyone I've ever been to, nearly all the people there show up in the campground, and as a result, they wave. Yep, the best survival strategy is to be kind and notice others, so everyone waves, people say hello, and they're most often very polite. Why? Why? Well, it's really important to have a good relationship with others because at one o'clock in the morning in the pitch black, there are people walking around trying to find the bathroom or you might stumble upon someone going to the bathroom in the middle of the woods and it scares the soul out of you. So knowing people and recognizing them, feeling safe, makes it feel a little more normal to zip up a two millimeter thick tent that will be your house and protection while there are total strangers just 30 feet away from you on your left and your right. Now, campers have a respect for each other. They look for signs for each other, and they look for commonalities. Campers, they love stickers, stickers on their cars, their water bottles. They love T-shirts that identify where they're from, and they love making sure their rooftop carrier represents every place they've ever been. Why? They're not showing off. They're actually signals to each other. I've been to these places That's what that camper sticker says. Where have you been? So when we walk around to get water and explore the signals all around us, we look for stickers that we recognize. Oh, I've been to that park. Oh, I'm from over there. We read license plates. When I've been camping in the mountains and I'm 1,100 miles away from my home, I get excited when I see another Wisconsin license plate. It's comforting. And Wisco people always seem to seek each other out. I think that's the case for people from all states. The signals and recognition, well, it gives you energy. So, a few years ago, I was camping with the kids, and we were in a center site. So, we had neighbors on both sides of us. We pulled in, and there were two grandparents, and they were with their two grandsons. They were very clearly lifetime campers. Their site looked like a Coleman ad from the 1970s, plaid, everything, fire going, grandma making a Dutch oven dinner on the campfire, place smelled like heaven. We pulled in, and they waved like we were old friends. As I backed in the car to unload, I looked to the other side, and there was a Jeep with a teardrop camper for two and waiters hanging on a branch. One guy with a weekend beard. He had Orvis everything and a small fire going. We made eye contact and did that classic two-guy, hey, what's up, head nod. In an instant, we had summed each other up, and I was very comfortable. I unloaded, and both my kids did what they know to do. We run our site like a little military regiment. Everybody knows their jobs. We review them when we pull up, and everybody does them. As I was setting up our gear and staking in our tent, people were walking by and waving. And occasionally, someone always yells out, Go Packers! And our little community comes together. It's so much fun and feels incredible when you're in the middle of nowhere and suddenly people all around you are treating you like a tight-knit and long-time neighborhood, like they've known you forever. As days pass, relationships grow. People stop and ask, hey, what did you do for dinner last night? Which parks did you go to? What trails did you go to? They stare at your sticker collection or your water bottle and they start to make connections. Strangers that were your neighbor ask you, hey, you you want this extra firewood? We're heading out. Or we're pulling up steaks. We got some extra beer. You want it? Yeah, I'm from Wisconsin. People are constantly seeking connections and recognizing everything. So, one time, we were at our campsite, and the site next to us opened up and in pulled this insanely cool Mercedes-Benz camper van with like every single gadget on it. And when the family got out, I could hear them speaking. Speaking in German. I was like, how do they drive from Colorado to Germany? Well, They had rented the van, of course, but both kids got out of the van and they looked to be college age. They both stumbled out like they were drunk and then their daughter started to violently vomit. That'll get your attention in a campground. And weirdly, my first thought was, how much Jägermeister are these Germans drinking? I walked over and asked if they needed anything. And the mother told me she didn't know what was wrong with the kids and them, that the entire family had intense headaches and felt very sick. Now, we were in the mountains, and I knew immediately what was wrong. They had landed in Denver on a direct flight from Berlin. Well, Berlin is like a hundred feet above sea level, and we were at 10,500 feet above sea level, miles up in the air. They were suffering from altitude sickness. The Coleman ad grandma, she came flying over because not only does everyone wave in a campground, everybody also listens in a campground, and she said she could help. I started telling the kids to drink as much water as they could and we told the parents to do the same thing and we explained what was wrong and and they all began to drink their water. The cute little grandma came back over with a boost oxygen container that looks kind of like a giant silver hairspray bottle or can and she told the kids to take some hits of oxygen and they all stopped feeling dizzy. We shared that they should take the kids into town and to get to lower altitude before coming back to the campsite to try to ease their way into the altitude. They said thank you, hugged us, cleaned up, and drove away. Saying things like, we'll see you tomorrow, and we'll never forget you. Camping and campgrounds, well, I think that's how life should be. Everyone naturally looking out for each other, diverse people with lots of gifts and talents, and lots of people waving, recognizing each other, and feeling safe and energized. Okay, so that night, like 12 hours later, we head into town for dinner. We drive into Frisco, which is which is a little town in Colorado. It's like a Hallmark movie. And there's a good chance you'll run into an ad executive who's home for the weekend in a rental car, got a flat right in front of the hardware store run by her middle school crush, Jake. And they're going to, okay, sorry about that. Anyway, we're walking down this beautiful little downtown street to go to our favorite pizza place. And who do we see on the other side of the road? The Germans. I told my kids, hey, give me a minute. I'm going to go over there and check on them. I'll be right back. I crossed the street, walked up to them, and, and I asked them how they were doing. It was in this moment that I learned a great life lesson about the negative impact of not being recognized. I walk up to the family with a lot of Ted Knightsky energy and enthusiasm and said, hello, and asked if they were feeling better. They gave me a, who in the world are you look? The kids stepped closer to their parents, and then they hustled off. I kind of spun on my heels and heard the dad say, scheist in a sentence, and I was stunned. Now, I grew up with a lot of second-generation Germans in my hometown in Wisconsin, and I knew exactly what that word meant. It means, mm, let's see here, how can I explain it without saying it? Oh, it uh, rhymes with hit, but begins with an S. I was pretty bothered. I thought, hey, man, back at the campground, you were hugging me and our best buddy. I helped you, and this is how you returned the favor? I was stewing. And I crossed the street and asked the kids if they saw what happened, and my son said, yeah, what'd you do to them? Well, I didn't do anything, Charlie. I, I just told them what was going on. I just tried to check in on them, and they got nervous. And Charlie, my son, in his wonderful ability to be di- direct and succinct, said, You're not at the campsite, Dad. They don't know who you are. As leaders, we need to increase our recognition of others and create a wave at your culture all around us, a I see you, and create recognition opportunities at every turn. This experience for me was profound because I'd never felt so rebuffed in my life. It hurt. It was bothersome. It had me thinking that maybe I shouldn't be helping people anymore. And I drove myself into this little weird, like, those ungrateful people mindset. Yet, that's not my nature. We went back to the campground, started a fire, made some s'mores, listened to Jack Johnson and Mumford and Son at the campsite, and planned the next day's adventure. And we invited over the grandparents and their grandkids to join us. And the grandpa and I made up so many stories of fake adventures with great exaggeration and no details that my kids still talk about it. But here's what I experienced. I lost energy and felt devalued by the weird exchange on the street. The exact opposite of what I felt at the campsite. I felt energized by serving others. I felt valued for the skills I brought to the table, and I felt really safe working with total strangers. When I was thinking about the power of recognition, this story immediately hit my frontal lobe. I hated that feeling. And today, when I read the research about anxiety and depression being at an all-time high, I think of how I felt and feel compelled to get us doing some smart thinking about it. I mean, mine was a small interaction and it drove me wild for a couple of days. I can only imagine cycling into anxiety for days upon days upon days and going through the days without even feeling noticed. I think we've all experienced that. I know I have. Recognition in your normal world is more about creating a reflex of recognition. And what I mean by this is that every moment and opportunity you have to recognize others, well, you need to take. I want you to reflect on your own behavior at work, in your community, even in your home. I also want you to reflect on, with a bunch of empathy here, what would it be like to be a member of your own community, your office, your school, your classroom, your neighborhood, and and not have anyone recognize you. But instead, for you, for you in those cultures, to take a moment to recognize them with a wave, a head nod, a six-shooter, whatever. Imagine how much energy would be drained, how unsafe it must feel not to know if you're going to say anything to them, if they're going to be heard, how much value would be lost in relationships, and the complete devaluation of the persons in the relationships if you didn't recognize them. Now, When you recognize someone very simply with a hello, it signals, I see you. It's like a sticker. It signals, how are you? It signals you're actually investing in the other person's well-being. Next level is to recognize someone for who they are, what they have on, and noticing a slight difference of on them or with them. Think of how awesome you feel when someone says things like, hey, I like that shirt, or you look really nice today, or did you get a haircut? Looks great. Are those new glasses? Simple, but sincere. And it builds energy, safety, and increases self-worth and value. Now think of recognition in the context of recognizing and reinforcing. Telling people and others that you appreciate them for their contributions, their efforts, their dedication. Simple words doesn't cost a thing. Doesn't even take a lot of energy on your part, but huge returns. People just need to be noticed. Students who go to large schools can be surrounded by a 100 adults and over a 1,000 students, and yet they'll report that they can go through an entire day without anyone even saying hello to them. I mean, can you imagine using campground behavior in a big city, a big school, a big office? I can, because I do. I look like a lunatic. But in your culture, your classroom, you need to up the game of recognition. I want you to listen to me very carefully right now. Yeah, I'm leaning into the microphone. In 2020, an estimated 2.9 million adolescents aged 12 to 17 in the United States, just in the United States, had at least one major depressive episode with severe impairment in the last year. This number represents 12% of the U.S. population of children aged 12 to 17. 2.9 million kids with major depressive issues that led to impairment. They literally couldn't move. One in 10 children paralyzed by depression and anxiety between sixth grade and senior year in every school everywhere. It makes you wonder, how could we help? Oh, wait. Maybe we just need to recognize them. Maybe we need to say hello. Maybe we need to recognize them by seeing their shirt, by paying attention when they're sullen or withdrawn or not themselves. Every one of us always recognizing. You need more evidence? Well, when those kids turn 18, it doesn't just go away. Are you ready for this? In the same study, the prevalence of adults with a major depression episode was highest amongst individuals Between 18 and 25 years of age, representing 17% of the people in that age category. That means it almost doubles as they enter adulthood. Now, granted, there are biological reasons this happens as well, but every year these numbers are going up and our population is not. We need to be leaders. Buffaloes charge into the storms they're facing, and I need you to up your recognition of others. Saying hello to everyone is not exhausting. Paying attention to others and supporting them only builds great energy. You are a leader, and you can change the direction of everyone around you. Remember how it feels to not be recognized? And never, ever, ever let anyone else feel like that. Never let that happen to anyone around you, because you can be intentional about just saying hello. I heard someone say the other day that kids are naughtier than they've ever been before in schools. Hmm, Maybe. Based upon the data, they're also living with more trauma and anxiety than ever before. I mean, I got pretty upset when a total stranger from Germany, who I'd only met for 10 minutes, didn't recognize me 12 hours later. What would it be like in your own school, your own house, your own neighborhood, if someone didn't see you? It would be horrible. But, what would it be like to go through every day like you were surrounded by campers? Reading all the signs seeing all the quote-unquote stickers, looking for the opportunities to help. What would it be like to feel safe because you were noticed? What would it be like to be energized because you were recognized? What would it be like to feel valued just because you were there? I'll tell you what it's like. It would be awesome. So let's do some smart thinking. List people you know who could use a boost from simple recognition. Describe how you feel when you're recognized and list what you'll do today to be more of a camper. That's it. That's the 250th Smart Thinking Podcast. Thank you for listening and please share and rate this episode. And as always, I can't thank you enough for listening and I love the fact that I get to use the Well Pennies music. Please make sure to follow them on whatever platform you have so that they can benefit from our relationship. I really appreciate their support all of these years. All right. Now, as I close out, I have one more reflection and story for you. It's about Megan, my wife. When we were all quarantined during COVID, you know, grounded, couldn't go outside and play with our friends, we could still go outside just with someone close and stay far away from others. Well, Megan and I would walk each afternoon after she was finished virtually teaching and my Zoom meetings had ended. The first day we left the house, Megan had made up her mind that she was going to bring joy to everyone she saw. You see, every day we would almost see the same people. People out walking, people driving, people sitting in the park, people biking. We live a block away from Lake Michigan, so we can walk to a park that overlooks the lake, and most people in our community visit that park sometime during the week. On the first day of our walks, my wife, wearing a body-length black coat, black knit hat, and green mittens, decided that she was going to smile and wave at everyone. We realized that people were sad and nervous about what was going on. And Megan said, I'm going to bring joy by just waving and smiling. As we walked through the park, she waved at people who would cross the street to ensure distancing. She would wave at people driving by. She'd wave at people sitting on benches. She'd wave at people out biking in the cold. Now, weirdly, like one in five people waved back. I was kind of frustrated for her. Like, you know, protective, aggressive in a weird way. Like, hey, my wife's pretty cute. Why the heck aren't you waving back? After a week, the ratio started to switch. Suddenly it became three and five, then four and five, then almost everybody. As people began to see us at the same time every day and us seeing them at the same place, more people began to wave. It became a habit. We weren't intimidating and we became part of their routine, providing predictability, safety, and a little joy from that green mitten. Megan brought her A-game to the waving, and it was very fun to watch her as well as begin to participate because it made me start to wave as well. Two months into the daily walks, for some reason or another, we had missed a couple of days in a row. Well, I masked up and went to our Piggly Wiggly grocery store, and as I was walking down one of the aisles, a woman I had never spoken with my entire life, I didn't even know who she was, asked me, Hey, is, is your wife Okay. I was a little puzzled and said, yes, do you know her? She said no, but my husband and I drive the park every afternoon and we hadn't seen the two of you for the last few days and we started to worry that she was sick or that something had happened. We love that she's always waving to everyone. Total strangers. Being impacted by the influence of 4'11 little Megan. Black coat, black hat, black hat, green mittens. And why? Because everyone waves in a campground. Years later... Megan still does this, and people still wave back. Today, tomorrow, and always, recognize others. Buffalo into the world and acknowledge that you, your leadership, your actions, and your little recognition of others, well, it makes a huge difference. Okay, we're closing out with the song that was the first Wellpenny song that I ever heard. And it's what turned me on to them. It's a Beatles cover. It's a cover of all my loving. I remember the first time i heard this thinking to myself wait are those hand claps and banjos holy cow this is awesome
0: close your eyes and i'll kiss you tomorrow i'll miss you remember